The peace of Christ be with you. Welcome to Westminster on this holiest of nights. It's so good to have you with us. Particularly nice to see some faces that haven't been in a while who are now home to see family. Welcome back home. It's been quite a time. It looks like it's going to be quite a time for a little while longer. But I hope you can give yourselves this one hour. In a time in which it feels like we don't get a break, that things just keep coming one after, a num uh, after another, we just want the world to stop. Well, for this hour it can. That you can be here, you can let grace wash over you, you can return to the story where it all began. And in that beginning, we can find strength to carry on. So allow yourself a couple of deep breaths that you might be fully present here, that you might be released of all burdens and all that threatens to pull you elsewhere, and you might be made aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit right here and right now. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. 
Behold the light within all light. Proclaim the peace of the sacred way. Experience the joy of this holy moment. Accept the love meant for all the world. We light the Christ candle as a reminder that God with us, the light within all light, has come into the world.
You may be seated. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we gather in wonder at the promise held in the manger. Like the shepherds, we have glimpsed the angels. Like the magi, we all come bearing gifts. Like the holy family, we might find ourselves afraid, but we yearn to play our part in the divine drama. Gather us in the shelter of your love. Kindle our hearts through the telling of the story. Touch our souls with the birth of the child. Maybe we believe in what is good and that what is good is possible. Let us worship in faith and hope. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, at Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. God with us when we are at our best. God with us even when we are not at our best. Perhaps especially when we are not at our best. God is with us, leading us back to God's light and God's love when we wander. For in Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable and join in hymn 134.
You may be seated. Our first. Oh, I'm sorry. Today's first scripture reading is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time onwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks.
You would thank you. You would think after three times I would know when my turn is. <laughs> God can use a mess up like me. God can use one like you too, I guess. Our first gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Please remain seated as we sing number 113, Angels We Have Heard on High.
From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, listen for God's word. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. About this time last year, I stood alone in this room, right back there, preaching into a camera. I'm mindful there are some who are watching on camera right now. So whether you are here or whether you are here, let's gather together at the manger where it all began. Beginnings tell us something. The oldest gospel we believe in the Bible is the Gospel of Mark, and it mentions nothing about Jesus' birth. But by the time of Matthew and Luke and even John in its own way, the authors somehow knew that we needed something, that they needed to tell us a story about the beginning, how all of this started. And any good writer or any good storyteller will tell you that a beginning isn't just the part on the front end of a story, but the beginning captures something of the entirety of the story. It foreshadows what's to come, drops hints that become more clear and more full later on. Raymond Brown, New Testament scholar, says that the infancy Narratives in Matthew and in Luke are whole gospels in and of themselves. 
because they contain in them the basic full revelation of Jesus's identity. And you can see in those stories hints dropped of what's to come, foreshadowing the entire arc of the story. As we've said before, you can think of the birth stories in the Gospels as overtures, giving you just a sample of the peace that will follow. In the church, we do our own foreshadowing during Advent, each week lighting a candle on the Advent wreath associated with a theme, a characteristic, something that we see in Jesus. Hope, peace, joy, love, and the Christ. The Christ being the nearness and the goodness of God. We see all of those things in that child. Hope, peace, love, joy, and the Christ. How can you look at a newborn child and not see the nearness and the goodness of the great mystery that we call God? This blessing, pure blessing, come to life. Tonight I want to speak of four child stories, not just one. For they too point to something whole and holy and blessed. One. A couple of weeks ago in New Albany, Indiana, a woman went out to her car after the tornadoes that had hit that part of the country had subsided. And seeing something on her windshield, she supposed it to be a note that someone had left for her. But when she got closer, she realized it was a photograph, a black and white photograph of a woman in a striped dress holding a small child on her lap. It was dated 1942. The woman took the photograph and posted it online, in the miracle of modern age, it wasn't long at all before someone recognized it and claimed it as their own. It was the great-grandchild of the woman in the striped dress, the grandchild of the child in the picture. The person who claimed it was writing from Dawson Springs, Kentucky, 150 miles away. The picture had been blown by the wind 150 miles. I can't think of a better image to capture how deeply connected we are. Oh, we might fool ourselves with the illusion that we live in separate worlds, that we're disconnected and our worlds apart. But every time that happens, something appears in our window that reminds us, no, we're all intimately connected. We're all in this together. Second story, and because it's a late substitution, I will break one of my usual rules, tell a story on my family. I try not to do that, particularly my son, because he had no choice in any of this. He was born into this poor guy. 
But every rule needs an exception now and then, and I'm hoping he's in bed by now. <laughs> and hopefully he'll be forgiving. Sunday night, we lost power. And we had sort of settled in for the night. We were watching some Christmas specials and all snuggled up when the lights went out. And so the electric candles came on and the flashlights came out. And quite frankly, it's a little bit fun, right? It's always fun to lose power, a little time in the dark. Of course, my son decided he wanted to sleep in our room that night just because, you know, I mean, it's kind of good to do that when it's dark, power's out. So we settled in to go to bed a little bit early. And a couple hours later, it wasn't out long, the power came back on. And you could kind of hear uh, a little relief in his uh, courageous breath, sigh of relief. And he said, you know, Dad, we should do something for those PG&E people. They never know when they're going to have to come out and work. And maybe firefighters, too, and, and police who get called out at all time of the day or night. And, said, yeah, well, maybe we should make cards for them, and Mom and I will make sure that they get them. And he said, that's a good idea, and we could put something in it, like $10 or something. <laughs> now, you, now you're going too far, son. <laughs> but we can be grateful, even in the darkness, maybe especially in the darkness, for what it can bring. And we can be encouraging to others, even when we're trying to change things. There's a reminder to me that moment that there's something important about being grateful for what you have and being encouraging to others for what they do to make this miracle that society is messy as it sometimes is that makes it work. Number three, report of this was rather recent, came across it not long ago, but it all started when a man named Danny Stewart found himself on a subway platform in New York. He'd missed the express train to go home and see his partner later and now husband, Pete Mercurio. And while he was waiting for his train to come, he was alone, the only one on the platform. And he looked over and he saw a bundle, a sweatshirt, wadded up. But he saw something sticking out of it, so he walked a little closer and he assumed it to be a doll because he saw that it was a leg. But then when he got closer still and opened it up, it revealed itself to be holding a baby a newborn baby, so newborn that its umbilical cord was still attached, abandoned there on the subway platform. So frantic, as you can imagine, Stuart picked up the child, called his partner, called 911, then called his partner, and together they brought the child to the hospital to be taken care of. And on the way, or maybe when they got there, Mercurio turned to Stuart and said, you know, you're going to be connected to this child. We're going to be connected to this child for the rest of our lives. I mean, you know, after all this. 
he had no idea how right he was. Three months later, Stuart got a call and a request to testify in court about what had happened. And he, of course, complied and went down and told his story. And then the judge surprised him in the hearing with a question. Would you be interested in adopting the child? And Stuart said, well, of, of course, but I know it's not that easy. And the judge, in a manner of speaking, said, well, in fact, it is. And it just so turns out that there was a brief period of time, six months long, when, at least in New York, judges had the leeway to expedite the adoption process, to try to keep kids out of the system from getting caught up for long periods of time. And so they could say it and make it happen. And Stuart and Mercurio didn't have a lot of money yet, but they were confident that they could do this responsibly. And so they enthusiastically said yes to adopting that child. He was named Kevin and is now 21 and a student at Swarthmore College outside of Philadelphia. What a reminder of how capable we are. Capable of caring beyond what we could have ever dreamed. The reservoir of the soul is so deep and can be filled with compassion if we don't fill it up with so much other stuff. Fourth child. Now you're in church. By now I hope you figured out who the fourth child is. Okay. Don't have to give you a hint on that one. It's Christmas after all. But what does the birth of Jesus mean? I don't mean in churchy words. I don't really have time for that. That's sort of lost its touch with people. In plain speaking, what does the birth of Jesus mean? God showing up incarnate in a child. Well, in part, I think it means what each of those stories I just told you means. Like that miraculous photograph flying from Kentucky to Indiana, like those families in every other way separate, that we are connected, that we are fundamentally connected. Jesus spent his life transgressing boundaries that everybody presumed were impenetrable, could not and should not be crossed, but time and again he stepped across, back and forth, showing people that they were not separate, that they were fundamentally one. We are connected. Two, that we can be grateful. All Christian prayer, if you notice, probably from time in memoriam, begins most of the time in gratitude, in giving thanks. That's how we orient ourselves to the world. And admittedly, sometimes it's hard to find something to be thankful for. So start small. At least one of my shoes doesn't have a hole in it. Sometimes that's the best you can do, but it's still an orientation to the world that trust in something good and something great is well-founded. Start in gratitude. Think of how the Lord's Prayer starts. Hallowing God's name. It's a grateful 
prayer. We can be grateful and we can be encouraging. Now, Jesus didn't mince words when he came across people that needed a correction, particularly people who were powerful and needed to have a sharp course correction. He spoke plainly and sharply to them, but he also knew who needed to hear a gentle word and an encouraging word, and he didn't fail to do that. He recognized the struggles of people and wasn't afraid to lift them up in the midst of that. Even as he, like all the great prophets, were trying to fix things, were trying to change things, were trying to critique things, he could be encouraging. And if not in word, then in deed, where he put himself, standing in solidarity with those who desperately needed someone to stand with them. That's louder than words. Sometimes that's even louder than gifts, even more valuable than $10. We're connected, we can be grateful, we can be encouraging, and we are capable of caring beyond our wildest imagination, of doing what we would never deem possible, adopting a child, raising that child successfully in, in a loving home. And one of the mistakes of the church, at least some pockets of the church, is that we've placed Jesus so high on a pedestal that we wouldn't dare approach him or dare say that we could be like him. But Jesus himself, in the loftiest of the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, says, you will do these great works too. And you will do even greater ones. Even greater. Jesus knew how deep the wellspring was of the human soul and said, you can do all of this and more. We're connected, we can be grateful, we can be encouraging, and we're deeply, deeply capable. That's part of the message of Christmas. Another way of saying it is, we were born for this, for all of this. And when we celebrate Christ's birth in Jesus, we give ourselves the opportunity to be born again as well. John O'Donohue was a priest, a philosopher, and a poet in that order. And this is what he wrote. Despite all the darkness, Human hope is based on the instinct that at the deepest level of reality, some intimate kindness holds sway. This is the heart of blessing. To believe in blessing is to believe that our being here, our very presence in the world, is itself the first gift, the primal blessing. As Rilke says, here zu sein ist so viel. To be here is immense. To be here is immense. Nowhere does the silence of the infinite lean so intensely as around the form of a newly born infant. Once we arrive, we enter into the inheritance of everything that has preceded us. We become heirs to the world. To be born is to be chosen. 
To be created and come to birth is to be blessed. Some primal kindness chose us and brought us through the forest of dreaming until we could emerge into the clearance of individuality with a path of life opening before us through the world. The beginning, he says, often holds the clue to everything that follows. Given the nature of our beginning, it is no wonder that our hearts are imbued with longing for beauty, meaning, order, creativity, compassion, and love. We approach the world with this roster of longings and expect that in some way the world will respond and confirm our desire. Our longing knows it cannot force the fulfillment of its desire, yet it does instinctively expect the primal benevolence to respond to it. And this is the threshold where blessing comes alive. Friends, Christmas, where you are standing right now, is upon that threshold of where blessing comes alive. So stand here for a moment in awe. Take heart and comfort and courage. For Christ is born. Amen.
You may be seated. Let us pray. Loving God, in a world that has seen so much grief, it may seem naive to choose to live in joy. In a world where skepticism reigns, it may seem foolish to sing to a different tune. In a world of suffering, it may seem ignorant to speak of light and celebration. But you are Emmanuel, God with us, coming into our lives, bringing joy to our grief, light to our darkness, and singing to our mourning. O oh God, refresh our amazement that you sent Jesus to us from your very self to be born as a human baby and to live among us, showing us the way to new life. In response to your great labor of love, may we open ourselves to you, that you may create new life among us. So hear us now, Holy One, as we offer our Christmas prayers to you in the silence of our own hearts. God, open our hearts to the news of the angels and the wonder of the shepherds, that we may know the shining light of your love. May your spirit be lit within us, that we may share your gifts of peace and justice. And may our shouts of praise ring out into the night. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Glory to God in the highest. And hear us now, O oh God, as together we pray the prayer that your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we prepare to receive our offering this evening, it is a tradition here at Westminster that we do not keep any of the money collected on Christmas Eve. Instead, we send it out into the community. So this year, our Outreach Commission has decided that two organizations will receive the offering from tonight, the Canal Alliance in San Rafael and the Phoenix Project in Marin City. So I do invite you to give generously.
We'll go right from the final reading into our closing hymn, so a few words about that, how we'll do the candle lighting. The beginning of Silent Night, we will uh, spread out in the congregation and, and light your candles, those of you who are on the end, and we invite you to just pass the light down the aisles. If your candle is lit, just keep it upright so you don't accidentally spill hot wax on yourself. And the person who doesn't have the lit candle just can tilt theirs sideways and that makes it go smoothly. We've been asked not to have you simultaneously all as a body pull off your masks and blow out your candles at the end for reasons you can imagine. So we'll have a few people spread out with snuffers. We can put your candle out. We can snuff out your light not metaphorically, just literally. Uh, or you can feel free to just go on outside yourself with these doors or those doors over there and there are buckets you can put your candles in when you get outside. I'm gonna ask the ushers to go ahead and turn out the lights now. And you can, you can turn those off too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This one was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through this one. And without this one, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in this one was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the Word became flesh, and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth.
light of Christ that shines within you out for all to see. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and who is Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day.